0: Welcome to the Wine After Work podcast. This is your host, Bryce Batts. I'm a career coach, mom of two girls, former college cheerleader, and current encourager of women. I'm so grateful you're here. It's my mission to help women break through the glass ceiling, rise up, and step into their greatness. Now grab a glass of wine and settle in. Hello, Wine After Work listeners. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Meredith Pascoff-Denitz, and she is a vice president with Bloomfield & Company, one of Washington, D.C.'s premier personnel consulting firms. We geeked out over recruiting in this conversation. She specializes in recruiting and staffing in both the greater D.C. area and nationally. Meredith works on searches for executive uh, personal assistants and estate managers in addition to positions in the fields of marketing, human resources, and communications in both corporate and nonprofit sectors. You' are going to love what she has to say. Additionally, Meredith is a private career coach, helping clients to identify their strengths, explore different career paths, and understand how their skills can transfer into new roles. She also works with clients on resume edits and presentation, job interview prep, proper etiquette, and networking strategies. She relocated from Maryland in 2019, just before all the craziness. And Meredith and her family are so happy to call Raleigh home. Uh, We talked about middle school woes and going into summer, and I can't wait for you to listen. Welcome, Meredith. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. This is great. Of course. Well, we connected over LinkedIn. I think we were talking about recruiting and coaching and your move and all this stuff. So I'm so glad to reconnect and introduce you to our audience. Um, so you're living in Raleigh now, correct? Yes, yeah, that is correct. Okay. And you moved down from DC?
1: Yes, we moved down from DC the summer of 2019. So it was nice to have, you know, six or seven months before the world shut down.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, right before COVID. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, um, but it was a, it was, it's was it been the best decision that we could have made. We were in the DC area about 20 years and my husband was getting ready to retire from the Air Force and my son was getting ready to start middle school. So it was just a really good transition time and uh, just wanted a little bit less hectic, crazy but still all the nice comforts of DC. And we came down for a visit in the fall of 2018 and just really fell in love and it just has been a great decision.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, I feel like there's so few Raleigh natives here now. The, the trend is catching on that it's a great place to live. I'm like you, is fun, but traffic, I know, is horrible.
1: Awful. Yeah, I mean, we actually lived just outside of D.C. in Maryland, but my okay. office was in D.C. and my husband worked in D.C. and
0: I mean, it could wow. take 45
1: minutes to an hour when it should take 20 to 25 minutes.
0: Right. And how was that transition for your son for, because he started a new middle school?
1: He did. And, uh, you know, it, it was really great for him. He really oh, enjoyed good. it. And again, it was nice that he was able to at least meet some, you know, kids before they went virtual that March. Um, and he's been very happy here. He hasn't looked back.
0: Oh, good. That's awesome. I know we put After doing a year of homeschool, we put both of our kids in a new school and knock on wood, it's been so great. And you never know with middle school, how that transition is going to be, but it's been really seamless.
1: Yes. I think that that was a definite plus to start in middle school versus, you know, one of the middle grades, just so that at least there were a fair amount of new kids also coming in and it was very welcoming.
0: Well, good. I'm glad you guys are liking Raleigh. And then tell me about things on the work front. Did you transition with your job to Raleigh?
1: I did. So I have been with my company. It's called Bloomfield and Company for just about 13 and a half years now. Wow. Um, and I did stay with my company when I moved. I had, I had always kind of had a hybrid model anyway. Um, I started when my son was like nine months and Mm. was part-time initially. So I only went into my office maybe two days a week. And then as he got older, maybe it was three days, but I always had that partial work from home um, capability. And so um, it was fine. And before the uh, pandemic, I did go back to my office. I'd say maybe every like six weeks, I have family in DC and friends. So I was able to stay, no problem. And then when everything just kind of shut down, we all transitioned to doing meetings on Teams. But again, I was used to doing Teams and Facetimes and Zooms with candidates and and conversations, so it wasn't too hard of a transition for me personally. I'd pretty been pretty used to it.
0: That's good. And did you find it was easier in raising your son to be hybrid or remote to have that flexibility?
1: It helped. Um, it It definitely helped. Yeah, I mean, when we first moved here, we were in like a a smaller townhouse, so I think finding space for everyone to (laughs) set up their virtual learning and work and stuff (laughs) was the challenge. But yes, it definitely has has helped to have that flexibility and be, you know, be here for him when he needed things.
0: That's good. Yeah, some people love it, others hate it. I mean, personally, I always enjoyed working remotely and. Now I'm back in the office, um, but we'll have a hybrid option as well, which I think is perfect. So you can see people be with your team and then have that flexibility of a day or two at home as well.
1: Yeah. I I mean, there are parts of me that would like to have that. I'm perfectly fine operating, you know, fully remote, but I I agree with you. I do think there are some benefits to being able to have a team that you can go and see a few days and -hmm. then have your time at home.
0: Yeah, when I worked for a company that was states away, I would fly down like once a quarter or twice a year even, and I was like, okay, this is good, but three days in, I'm ready to go home. Great to see you all.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I felt the same way.
0: And what types of positions are you recruiting for?
1: We do, our main niche has predominantly been executive assistants, administrative assistants, personal assistants but I would say that has definitely um, grown. We do everything now from HR, marketing, operations, we've had some social media. And during the pandemic, um, a lot of, we do a lot with also high net worth professionals. So, or principals I should say. So we've had a lot of estate managers, mm-hmm. personal assistants. We've done some like nannies, um, chiefs of staff, those types oh, as wow. well. And we, we work on national searches. So even though DC is our only office, physical. We have clients from Seattle, California, New York, Boston, Florida, kind of the gamut, obviously the DMV.
0: Yeah. Well, the job market is uh, definitely changing. It's uh, shifted a lot since COVID. So what sorts of trends are you seeing?
1: Yes. It's very interesting. I would say, you know, from the recruiting candidate standpoint, the majority of the candidates I've been interacting with, and I think my team as well, really want to have a fully remote or would consider maybe a day or two in the office. Uh, I think they've gotten spoiled and and see that it Mm -hmm. can happen. Um, The client side, it's definitely varied. We have clients that now really want their candidates in four or five days, and then we'll have those that'll be open to two or three. So I would say for us, it's been more challenging. Like I have some clients that want candidates in four and five days a week and those have absolutely been harder positions to fill because candidates, they've had that taste, they know they can do it, they know what it's like, and they don't want to commute or they want to be able to work from home. So it's Mm -hmm. been an interesting dynamic for sure. Um, You know, the other interesting piece that we were seeing a lot um, is that clients, we have a fair amount that are requiring vaccinations. And I will tell you last year, there were, a number of candidates that I had spoken to now a fair amount were in New York, definitely some in DC, but they did not want to get vaccinated and it's absolutely their prerogative, but I, you know, obviously it's up to the client's discretion. So I, I unfortunately was not able to help them. And and I think that still comes into play in certain situations. So it's a lot of interesting dynamics I would say currently. Um, But I think it's definitely been more of a candidate market. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's hot, but they, get to make the decisions, they are in the seat. So clients have to move and be flexible.
0: Yeah, these are all things I'm finding as well. Um, Especially when it comes to remote work, it seems like candidates more than clients want to be remote. Clients are wanting people back in at least a couple days a week. And like you said, some people say, forget it, I'm not making a change unless I find something that's 100% remote. So that's been really interesting. And in our field, I'm not running across a lot of positions like that. So I'm just honest, like, okay, good luck. And I'll be in touch if I hear something, but it's really few and far between.
1: It's interesting. I would say the same. I mean, I think maybe from an executive assistant, personal assistant, it may be out there. We just personally aren't seeing it very often. I think maybe in the last year or so we've had two or three searches at most that have been hundred percent remote and everything else is somewhere in the middle.
0: And, and also with the vaccines, we were asking every candidate if they um, have a problem with getting vaccinated, what their vaccination status is, because our clients were requiring it. And same thing, I got some pushback and, which, you know, again, your prerogative, your decision, but I have to let the client know, because if they're requiring it, clearly I can't send you over there.
1: Absolutely. I, it's, it's a, it's. I agree. And, I, you know, I've met some really fantastic candidates and unfortunately it's it's not in my control but you know and I'll be very honest and polite but it's it's just the candidate the client's the client's choice
0: yeah I'm working with a really sweet lady right now and she will not get vaccinated because she has an autoimmune disorder or disease and she's getting a medical exemption so we're working with her to get that so when you said that I was like oh I need to get back to work on that
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, and I've, I've, it's interesting. I have met a woman last week, similar, who has great background, very sharp. And she shared that for a religious, she has a religious exemption and, you know, we haven't run that one by our clients as much. I think there was like one or two. So I was having a conversation to see if that would, um, if that would be something they would consider, but it's, it's definitely different. A world yeah. than it, yeah, than it we're was. We're
0: navigating things we never had to before. Um, and then in terms of salaries, are you seeing people asking for more money when it gets to the offer stage? Because I certainly see people wanting one thing and then we start interviewing and then they get an offer and suddenly they want $10,000 more.
1: <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I think that that has always been the case even mm-hmm. before COVID. You know, one thing we try to do because our clients are the ones that pay our fees right. um, you know, we really try as much as we can. And of course it's never hundred percent to navigate that as much up front as possible. And, and we try to have very open conversations, like, you know, to not have the back and forth at the finish line. Now, yeah. of course, on occasions it's absolutely going to happen. Um, but even when they're coming to us in the beginning, some of the asks, you know, and I know certain states are not allowed to ask them what they're making. Um, so it's, it's, it's walking a fine line in terms of trying to figure out where they realistically are and where they could get to. And yeah, so it's, it's been interesting for sure.
0: And how do you hold, hold them to that number?
1: You know, really just trying to go back and remind them of our initial conversations, why they came to me to begin with where the pain points were, because let me tell you last year, counter offers were a killer. For us, you know, with a lot of our clients, I mean, they were getting candidates would get very nice offers. We would tackle counteroffers every which way at every step in the process. And it happened quite a few times last year. It's very hard.
0: Well, it's like you said, companies can't afford to lose people. So then at that point, they throw more money at them or try to, you know, promise them something that hasn't been done in the past. Yeah, just to keep them on board.
1: Yeah, and I I always try to remind them, you know, counteroffers on every level are never a good thing, and it, it's burning a bridge, it's leaving a bad taste. If you weren't able to get what you asked for prior, you know, before the counteroffer, it's not going to happen, even if they promise. And even so, what does that tell you about how they value you?
0: Exactly, so,
1: never yeah. a good thing, ever.
0: There's a great Forbes article I share every time about why taking a counteroffer is not not a good thing, not good for you or for your future. So I'm like, it's not just coming from me. There's plenty exactly. of evidence out there on why this doesn't make sense for you in the long run. But I get it, you know, money talks, but I'm like you, I try to remind them why they started looking. Originally exactly. when we spoke, you wanted this, this, and this, and it had nothing to do with money.
1: right. Exactly. And money can, it only goes so far, but it's not going to change your circumstances of why you're unhappy or why you wanted to make that change. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, exactly. Any other interesting trends or crazy recruiting stories? Uh, <laughs> well, know.
1: You. Oh, there's always a few. Um, I think it's just, you know, navigating that, like we've been talking about the, the new world as it is. Um It's interesting how going back to the remote, you know, a lot of people have moved out of the big cities, whether it's DC and others, and, you know, we'll have clients on the West coast that are open to relocating candidates. And it's a matter of maybe they would have considered it initially, but now with everything with COVID, you know, so there's just definitely a lot of dynamics, I think that COVID has presented in, in, um, in the workforce currently, and, and then people just, really being picky about what they want and what they're looking for. I mean, as they should, but again, it it definitely presents some challenges when trying to find good people.
0: It's a lot more challenging. And candidates are in the driver's seat right now. I think I read recently, there's two jobs for each unemployed person. So they have their pick and
1: one hundred percent. It is absolutely candidates' market, and I try to tell my clients like you are going to have to move quickly. Where normally, if you drag your feet, you are going to lose because mm-hmm. the, the competition out there is just. It was like when we came out of the recession in two thousand nine. You know, it seemed right. that was the same thing where it was like they just had the pick because there were so many unemployed people.
0: Yep. Oh yeah, I remember that well. Uh, two thousand and eight. Hope to never revisit a time like that. Although I know yeah. recessions will come.
1: Yes. Yep. Definitely. Could be around
0: the corner, but it it was a tough time for recruiting because no one was hiring.
1: Exactly. It was <laughs> tough. It was well, interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you have an interest in coaching as well. Um, yes. I got certified as a career coach last year. And I think like many people just sitting home during COVID, just thinking about my career and what direction I wanted to go in. And Um, I was just, it's funny, I heard about it on a podcast and I was like, this sounds so interesting. And as a recruiter, you can make an easy pivot into, it's in coaching. We almost take the back seat because we do think typically the person we're coaching has the answers from within. So it's helping them navigate that and pulling the, the answers out of them. Whereas with recruiting, I feel like we can be a little bit more direct, um, but I've enjoyed it. So tell me about that kind of you know interest on your part.
1: Absolutely. You know, similar to what you were saying, I've obviously I've been doing this about 13 and a half years now. And, you know, I've really enjoyed working with, you know, candidates and really helping them find that dream job and and coaching them, whether it's, you know, how they can best tweak their resume to get their, you know, so we can get them into for the interview and helping them prepare for their interviews or maybe doing some different networking if if they're looking on their own and you know all those different pieces that both recruiting and coaching can do mm-hmm. and i really enjoy that personal aspect of developing relationships i mean i still keep in touch with people that i placed probably 10 years ago not yeah. everyone but like you know so it's it so, is so I- rewarding it is and i i really appreciate that piece and i think you know it's it's sort of been in my mind for a couple of years now but last year i really started thinking about just the pieces of my job that I've enjoyed with the years of experience and kind of what it has taught me. And I felt like it could just be a really great fit um, to to pivot a little bit more. So while I am still doing my recruiting, I've also started um, my journey for the the certification and, and working with some folks in the coaching, you know, aspect and, and just like either some former candidates or through some referrals and just yeah. really trying to get out there and, and, and work with different people and helping them figure out, um, you know, how they can really find that, that next great job. And, you know, change is not easy, right? It's scary. It's hard. We all get right. comfortable, even if we aren't happy, right? It's finding a job is a full-time job. And I always tell yes. everyone that, Right. And so it's, it's so easy for us when we have, you know, if you have family and kids and you just want to have your own personal time. And so really being committed to taking that step, um, it, it's a definite, um, you know, you have to be, it's a commitment, right? I mean, you have to be willing to invest the time, which no one ever feels that they have enough of, obviously, right. um, but it's, you know, and I know it's hard when some people are like, oh, I have so much flexibility and my boss is nice and it's okay, but I'm not so happy. And trying to make them understand you, there is a job out there that you can be over the moon about
0: right. if
1: you are willing to invest a little bit of time and, and effort, you know, to work on it. It is out there. And then right. I know it can also be challenging when, you know, maybe you've been in your role 10, 15 years, whatever, and you don't know how to transition your skill set, right? You're not sure what it translates to in another industry. And so I think exactly. it's I've had those conversations too um, when people have come to me on the recruiting side. And so, you know, it's really helping them understand, you know, that your skills aren't necessarily your strengths, but there can be that intersection and mm-hmm. overlap. And again, you know, we, it's funny, I'm sure you you can relate to this. We're so used to having that hat on as the recruiter of telling people what to do. And as you were just saying, from the <laughs> really? coaching side, it's like having to take that hat off and knowing what the questions are and and knowing where to guide, where to teach, where to, yeah. you know, push a little. So all the different dynamics. And I've really, I think that just all of my experiences so far in the recruiting world, I think really lend themselves nicely to this. So it's been something I've been excited to really get more involved with and jump in more and and trying to maybe transition a little bit more to that world.
0: Well, I think you'd be excellent at it based on everything you just said. <laughs> and I know recruiting for 13 years, you're also coaching, like you said, prepping people for interviews, helping them with their resumes and with networking and their LinkedIn presence. So yeah. you're already doing so much of that. The, the um, challenge for me was Relinquishing the control of actually submitting their resume and calling <laughs> because I'm like, you so good for this. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so on funny. On the coaching side, you know, it's up to them where they want to work. You know. But on that's the recruiting funny. side, I'm like, I have these, this great client, great culture. <laughs> Thank you like <laughs> it.
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, that you have to kind of figure out to draw that line. Yes. I have not yeah. run into that just yet, as I'm still in my, you know, helping them figure out stage, but your brain definitely the wheels turn because it's just ingrained (laughs) in you you're so used to that
0: yeah yeah it's so true but you can offer that guidance as a coach right like I said I think you'll be really valuable for people who are looking for a new position or like you said can't decide what they want to do sometimes it's so hard to know like what am I good at or what do I even enjoy because you've been doing something for so long right And then you and I were talking about this. I mean, that fear and resistance rises up in everybody, you know, no matter how familiar you are with the process of looking for a new position, you know, I felt that resistance just with coaching. And then my husband was looking for a new job. It was a lot of stress for us both to be pivoting at the same time.
1: Yes. Well, it's funny because my husband started a new job in March and so I'm like coaching him and he had been thinking about it um, for a while and I him you know, was also doing my, so very similar to you. Yeah. So I, I agree. It, it can definitely be overwhelming and unnerving and you just have to be willing to sit with that and know that it's going to pass and right. be committed. Right. I mean, you, if, yeah. if it means that much, I mean, because I do really believe that things work out as they should. And if you're, mm-hmm. if you can carve it out and, and, makes a commitment to it, it it can happen. And you'll be in a better place for it. You just have to be willing to go through some bumps to get there.
0: Exactly. Push past the fear and, you know, not listen to that fear, but know you're making a good decision. Go with your gut and and do your research too. Yeah, absolutely. And we're at a time where people are leaving their jobs of 13, 15, 19 years. I've talked to so many people who have been in positions for a really long time, and yep. now they've decided it's time to make a change. And some people don't even have a resume put together, so you're literally I starting from scratch.
1: I know it's it's like they, because they've been sitting in that seat so long it's it's that, and then they don't even know how to like talk to people, and and so then that goes back to the coaching of helping them prepare for interviews and how to best sell themselves and what to say. So yes, it's it it all comes together. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yes. I saw a poll on LinkedIn and it was asking if people who had started a new job were actually happy with their new position because of the great resignation or the great reshuffle. Right. And you know, majority of people answered, yes, they're glad they made a change. So it is stressful, but you know, at the end, I think you can find, like you said, your dream job, or at least a job you're really happy with.
1: Exactly. I, I do believe it is out there. And, you know, I think that being willing to get the help and, and raising your hand and, and finding that it's worth, it's worth the, the initial, you know, fear and unknown to get to the place that'll be a better fit for you. Absolutely. Yes, I agree.
0: Awesome. Any tips you have for our listeners who might be looking for a new job?
1: you know i well i think it depends on where you are in your search and if you know where what it is you want to do versus not sure you know i think being able to look at different opportunities um maybe on linkedin or indeed i think networking is also so important and i know you mentioned this a lot use your resources your connections on linkedin friends colleagues if there are people doing positions doing jobs that are in a field that you would really be interested in, reach out, ask them to have yeah. a 10 minute conversation, pick their brain, learn about their process and how they got involved. People are nice and they will pay it forward. You just have to be willing to, and even if it's reaching out cold, even if you're doing a search on LinkedIn and you know there's a company or an organization uh, that you might be interested in and, and there's a position you see or a person in that role, reach out and, and ask them if, they, if you can hop on a quick call with them and, and learn a little bit more about, their position and how they got there. I think networking, educating, talking to people and then figuring out how best to position yourself making sure that resume is in line and you can get creative. And there are a lot of resources out there that can help.
0: Such good advice. I agree doing those information interviews 100%. And most people are really receptive to it and eager to tell you if they like their job or their company or how you can get into that field. It can be really yes. helpful and instrumental in finding a new position.
1: Well, I completely agree. Absolutely. You have to be a little bit of a detective and do those informational calls. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Be resourceful. <laughs> yes. You have to be willing to take the initiative. It's not going to come to you. But once you do, it will open a lot of doors. It just takes sure. a little bit of time.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time and all the tips. Thank you. And- Yeah, I will leave in the show notes where to find you if people want to get in touch. I know you're on LinkedIn, um, but we'll leave all that in the notes there. And um, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much. This was great. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here next week. And make sure to share the episode with a friend that would enjoy the conversation we just had. Also join the Wine After Work Facebook group to connect with other like-minded women.